When they had testified and proclaimed the word of the Lord, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in certain villages. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out. And on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, Go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I? He said. Unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The eunuch was reading this passage of scripture. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip. Tell me please, who is the prophet talking about? Himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look! Here is water! Why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized them. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. Oh! The eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. <laughs> Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about, preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Welcome to Acts. Christ's ministry continues. It's our journey verse by verse through the book of Acts. And today we're looking at Acts chapter 8, verse 25 through 40. The story of the conversion of the first Gentile convert who may have been a descendant of King Solomon, so he may not have been a Gentile, but he was a black man, a eunuch, one who took care of the queen's affairs. The name Candace is kind of like the name Pharaoh or Caesar. It's a name applied to royalty. Maybe it's not her personal name. He was trusted to care for her affairs. He was a eunuch, no doubt made that way as a child, raised up to be a slave to her or a servant to her, and proved trustworthy. What is a eunuch? Someone who's had his privates removed so that he can be trusted around women to not 
rape, seduce, or have romantic issues going on. So what Joseph was accused of centuries earlier, he could never be accused of. And so this was a common practice in that day among secular people. And this guy had a glorious conversion experience in this text. The context around this text is the church had begun to continue Christ's ministry in Acts chapter 2. He commissioned them in Acts chapter 1. The church begins in Acts chapter 2. And for seven or eight years, they had glorious church growth, thousands of new believers, and the powers of the day were threatened by their numbers, resented their message. They attempted to wipe Jesus out, and all they did was spread his influence because he rose from the dead. And through the power of the Spirit, they were seeing great things happen. Threats didn't stop them. And so they killed one of them, and that didn't stop them. And then a man named Saul, who a member of the Sanhedrin, got permission to begin to persecute them. And he began to throw men and women, people of all ages, in jail. And so there was a scattering of the church, which was made up of people all over the Roman Empire. And so they went home, taking the good news of Jesus with them, many of them having been discipled for seven years. That's long enough, isn't it? Going home, establishing churches throughout the Roman Empire. And so Christ had said that this would happen, that they would receive power to be his witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. Philip, who was a contemporary of Stephen, who was the first martyr, goes to Samaria and begins to preach, which incidentally was a region of of the world where Jesus had spent spent some time ministering to people. And they were ready to become believers and saw many people saved and baptized them in water, miracles, signs and wonders happened. And so the leaders of the church, the apostles that had remained in Jerusalem, went there to check it out and to lay hands on all the believers so that they might receive the Holy Spirit. And verse 25 says, When they, meaning the apostles, had testified and preached the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. So Philip had accomplished a great work, and the Lord gives him a new assignment. In verse 26, An angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza, we hear about that in the news, this is desert. So here's what happens. The church is in Jerusalem. Philip takes the gospel north to Samaria, and then he goes back to Jerusalem, to the road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza, a desert road, and this is where he encounters this man. He baptizes this man. Then the Spirit catches him away, and he's found preaching in Azotus, and then he goes to Joppa, and he walks to Caesarea, where he establishes his home and has a family. And he reappears later on in the book of Acts with several daughters who prophesy, devout women of God, that this man raised up. But back to our text. I want to get ahead of ourselves. We'll hit that on another Sunday. So the apostles go back to Jerusalem. The angel of the Lord sends Philip to Gaza. And so he goes... And there on that road is a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship. Verse 28, he was returning. Wonder what his experience was like. Well, we'll 
We'll look at that a little later. And sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. The spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip runs to him. I mean, this guy's traveling, as you can tell from the map. He is covering some geography for the Lord. Serving the Lord involves work, doesn't it? And he says to him, do you understand what you're reading? He heard him reading. So this eunuch is reading the scriptures out loud. He said, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, the eunuch says in verse 31, how can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. Now, he had just been to Jerusalem. Maybe he had bought this scroll of the prophet Isaiah. We don't know. But he was puzzled from Isaiah 53, which is an amazing messianic prophecy. If you read it, you just see Jesus all the way through it. And the place in Isaiah 53, verse 7 and 8, he reads these words. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away, and who will declare his generation? For his life was taken from the earth. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does a prophet say this? Of himself or of some other man? Well, that's a perfect opening to share Jesus. Philip opened his mouth. And beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. Now as they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, water. <laughs> the word here is, is there in italics. He literally said, look, water. What hinders me from being baptized? They're in the desert. Just imagine finding some water. Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Romans 10 says that if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. For with the heart, man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so faith was born in the eunuch's heart as he heard the word. Faith comes by hearing the word, doesn't it? And that faith came out in an expression. I want to obey Jesus. I want to get baptized. Are you a believer? Yes, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. That's why we always ask people before we baptize them, do they believe that Jesus is the Son of God? We don't baptize unbelievers, we baptize believers. This is what Jesus said. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. He who does not believe shall be condemned. Whether you're baptized or not is no point if you're not a believer, right? If you push water baptism too much, you wind up baptizing unbelievers who will think there's nothing to that Christianity stuff, and they'll fall away. Why? Somebody got too pushy. Here, Philip wasn't pushy. He was preaching Jesus. And when a person believes, they want to obey Jesus. It's natural to want to be baptized. Verse 38, So he commanded the chariot to stand still, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. Now, the word baptize is a transliterated word. 
not a translated word. It's a Greek word given an English pronunciation. Literally, he immersed him. When you are immersed in water, you go down in the water, right? Went down in the water. When he came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught Philip away. He just disappears. The eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing, having become a believer, having his hunger that no doubt was not fulfilled in Jerusalem, filled through finding Jesus. But Philip was found at Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. Let's pray. Lord, I ask that you'd speak to us from your word in such a way that it applies to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to speak to you today on the subject, the gospel is for everyone. Turn to someone and say, that means you. The well-known evangelist named T.L. Osborne that I love and miss. And my favorite line from him was this. He would say, everyone means you're the one. (laughs) The gospel is for everyone. In Psalm 22, David prophesies, all the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. That's everyone. And all the families of the nations will bow down before him. That's all, y'all. For dominion belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. This is fulfilled in Jesus, who in Matthew 28 told his followers to go and make disciples in all the nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teach them to observe everything he commanded. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. In Mark 16, he said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We say everyone. The one who believes and is baptized will be saved. The one who does not believe will be condemned. In Luke 24, he's recorded as having said, This is what is written. The Messiah would suffer and rise from the dead the third day, and repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name, to all the nations, beginning at Jerusalem and going from there to all the nations. You are witnesses of these things. And Luke continues in his writing of the first chapter of this very book we're looking at. You shall receive power, Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. It's already happening. He took the gospel to Samaria, going through Judea, and the church is going everywhere preaching, and here the good news of Jesus is heard and believed by a man from Africa. The first black man becomes a believer. Isn't that exciting? The gospel is for everyone. Point number two, the gospel is for eunuchs too. You may not be a eunuch, but you can identify with the problem this guy was having because Deuteronomy 23 says that eunuchs, those who have their private parts removed, cannot enter the congregation of the Lord. So I don't know what his experience was like 
in Jerusalem, but I guarantee he had the experience, the reminder of what it was like to be an outsider. Not only was he a black man, not only was from a, a different part of the world, but he was a eunuch prevented by the law itself that he was honoring from entering into the, the core group of God's people. Can we say outsider? The gospel was for him too. And we see this issue identified with in Isaiah 53, the very passage he was looking at. Let's read it again. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers and silent, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. There's no one to declare his generation. Now some translators say this means there was no one in his generation that spoke up for him. In this case, I think the New Living Translation gets it right, and I think the video got it right. The New Living says, He was led as a lamb, led like a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep is silent before its shears, he did not open his mouth. So while he's being persecuted, tortured, executed, he's remaining silent. He's not lashing back. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream. Who will declare his generation? No one cared that he died without descendants. Who will declare his generation? In the paper, every issue of the paper, definitely here in our retirement community, is a page called the obituary page. Yesterday's paper, nine obituaries. And every obituary is a, de- is a declaration of the things that person is remembered the most by, including a listing of their living descendants. Something it appeared that Jesus would die without. Something in the world in that day was viewed as shameful and sad, something to be sorry about, that someone would die leaving no descendants. But present in this passage, later on in the chapter of Isaiah 53, it uh, prophesied in verse 10, the middle of verse 10, said that he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. How is this possible if he died without seed, yet he shall see his seed? Through his resurrection. And through everyone who believes in him, they are assured of eternal life. They are, as he said, born again. One of the names of Jesus, according to Isaiah 9, is Everlasting Father. Through Jesus, we have access to the Father, eternal access. He said, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He stood in the Father's position to redeem mankind back to himself. And so while he did die childless, he did not remain that way, for he rose from the dead and provided a way for people to be born again so that we might become his children. We are adopted into his family. We're given his spirit, which is called the spirit of adoption, by which we cry, Paul said, Abba, 
Father. Daddy God. Papa. Isn't that awesome? So how does this relate to the eunuch? This is huge. The Messiah identifies with his pain. Here he is. One day he will die and there will be no one to declare his generation. His obituary will not have any descendants for he will die without them. But through the gospel, his life was changed and there is a Christian nation surrounded by Muslim nations because of this man. He went back to the queen And what did she do? She became a believer and built the first church in history was built by black folks in Ethiopia. Our daughter's been there, I think, three times and just loves that country. It's a shining light. Sure, they need a revival like all all countries do, but it's a shining light surrounded by darkness. So did this man die without children? No. That's why on Mother's Day and Father's Day around here, we celebrate womanhood, we celebrate manhood, because if you're a person of influence, you're a papa or a mama. We celebrate you. This man became an instrument of the father when he went back home. Isaiah 53 ends, and Isaiah 54 begins, duh, with these words. Sing, O barren woman, you who never bore a child. Burst into song, shout for joy, you who were never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband, says the Lord. Wow. How is that possible? Through having spiritual children. You shall be witnesses to me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the earth. What is our vision? Our vision is to continue the ministry of Jesus by having spiritual children. Whether you're involved in children's ministry or youth ministry or adult ministry, you are a person of influence. Stop looking down on yourself and look around for someone to father or someone to mother and let God use you mightily. I found this this morning. I'm so excited. Isaiah goes on in chapter 56, three chapters after Isaiah 53. Do not let the foreigner join to the Lord say, the Lord will surely separate me from his people. And do not let the eunuch say, I am just a dry tree. For thus says the Lord. Now this is going to be fulfilled through Christ completing the law. To the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me, and hold fast my covenant, I will give in my house and within my walls. You guys are going to be allowed to come in my house. I will give a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. This eunuch was the fulfillment of of that prophecy. If you don't see it, talk to me after service. I don't want anybody to leave here without seeing this prophecy fulfilled in this eunuch's life. Is that not awesome? Amen. 
Everybody say, so what? What does that have to do with me? The gospel is for everyone. The gospel is for you. Whether you're a loser, whether you've dismembered yourself to the point of emasculation, whether you're ashamed of your past, whether you wish you could live your life over again, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The good news is for you. You can be remembered for better things than what you're remembering yourself right now. Not only because our sins are forgiven in Jesus, but we are made righteous in Jesus. Is that not awesome? It's great to be forgiven and have our debt erased. But righteousness is beyond that. Now no longer do we have an indebtedness, we have an accreditedness. The books no longer are in the red, they're in the black, big time. I'm forgiven, yes, but I am made righteous. It's been imputed to me by Jesus. Not by works, lest any man should boast, but by His work. The gospel is for everyone. The gospel is for eunuchs, and the gospel is for you. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that this word would hit deep in all of our hearts at a level that maybe we've never allowed it to be applied before. Lord, I pray that you would open the eyes of every person here to see that they are included in your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Through what Jesus did for us, we are included. And what we're going to do is distribute the communion elements. And in a minute, I'm going to ask for eight volunteers who've never passed out communion before. All right? What's the matter? Did I do a bad job? No, no. I want, I want everyone to be included. All right? So you receive the communion tray as it comes by you and hold on to the elements. Go ahead and open it up. But don't partake till we partake of it together. All right? And then when we partake the bread, I want someone who has never blessed the bread before in, in this room to come forward and take the microphone and bless the bread. And when it's time to partake of the cup, I want someone who has never blessed the cup before to come forward and bless the cup. All right? Give thanks for the cup. So at this time, I need eight volunteers who've never passed the trays out before. And as they're passing it out, we're going to watch kind of a dramatized version of Isaiah 53. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, Yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, 
and as a sheep before her shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and who can speak of his descendants? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was stricken. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death, for he bore the sin of many. gospel is for everyone. The gospel is for you. Who would like to come up and bless the bread? Come on up, Tom. We have two Tom Willises here. Sometimes we don't realize the blessings that we do have. We focus on the negativity in life. And you just have to stop and realize family, friends, and community is what's important. I take this because I do accept Jesus into my life, as well as my family and my friends. And I thank everybody for being there with us. Amen. And thank you. Encourage you. All right, let's partake of the bread together. Thank you, Lord. like to give thanks for the cup. Through the broken bread we are made whole. And through his shed blood celebrated by the cup, our sins are gone, washed away. Come on up, Lydia. Lord, we just thank you for your precious blood, Heavenly Father, that wipes every sin, Lord God, that saves every soul, Lord. And not just there, Lord, but we thank you because you provide for us, you heal us, you, we depend on you and trust in you, Lord. And we just thank you for that precious blood that you shed in Calvary, Lord. Help us to always remember that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. He never said a word. Never said a mumbling word. He 